Thank you, Gracie. That was awesome. Can't think of a much better birthday present for Mom. Can't help but love your kids, especially when they not only love you, but the Lord. What greater blessing than a kid that loves the Lord? That's all our hope as parents. That our kids will have a deep love for Jesus. Uh, you know, I don't know. It hit me. I'll be honest with you guys. I guess with homecoming coming next week and and then with the theme and, of course, Gracie singing. I, as Annette was talking about homecoming, I just got hit with... Uh, my dad died. It's been 20-something years ago. I can't keep track of it. And I sat there and I thought, man, I miss my dad. And my kids never even knew him. Isn't it wonderful to know, though, that regardless of who we miss, we have a Heavenly Father that loves us fully. And uh, I'm going to go on and change a little bit. I'm going to go on to Scripture and get myself together, composed, and uh, read and pray and move on here in this message, getting along in the family. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5. Verses 12 through 15. I'm going to ask you to stand in God's honor as I read aloud. Now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle. Encourage the timid. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure nobody pays back wrong for wrong. But always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. Let's pray. Father, as we approach You, as we come to You, we need You, oh God. We need You. We are lonely and we are weak and we're not what we pretend to be. We're not so tough. And so help us, Master. God, here I am wanting to share Your truth and knowing full well, God, that unless You anoint me to speak, unless You fill me with Your Spirit, then, Lord, nothing can happen that's going to make a difference. But, God, I, I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in Your power. And I believe that You can take the weak and do things. And I pray, Lord, that You use me, God, as Your servant to share, God, and that we would just continue to worship You. And, Lord, uh, just uh, just get your message through, God, to our hearts as you so choose. And help us to hear and to obey. In your name we pray. Amen. Getting along in the family. In Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, the body of Christ is spoken of using the analogy of the human body. The human body, when it works, is just awesome and incredible and it can be discouraging when it doesn't work like we want it to. For example, you know, I get these messages in my stomach that we call hunger pains. Now, I don't know if they're real pains or if I've just trained it because I like the way food tastes. 
that I'll get these messages and in my stomach they'll say, food. And sometimes it's almost like I can hear the refrigerator saying, come, indulge, enjoy. And then in obedience, you know, I, I, my legs and my feet, I'm able to get up and, and you know, I'll say, walk to that refrigerator. And, you know, and, and they obey. And I walk toward the refrigerator. And then I say to my arm, my hand, reach out, grab the refrigerator door and pull. And, and there's obedience. And, man, it's a beautiful thing. Open that refrigerator door. And then I scan the contents of the refrigerator and say, wow. You know, my eyes are happy. And, you know, mouth starts to water a little bit. Then in obedience, I, uh, the hand reaches out, grabs the food. And then I say to my mouth, Open. Then it opens, and then I take some of that food, the hand in obedience, take it, tell my mouth to chew, and it chews, and we celebrate, and have a great time, and, and uh, you know, just so grateful when the body works. But what if it doesn't work? What if the body chooses not to cooperate? What if, uh, you know, I have those hunger pains, and I tell my legs to get up, and one leg wants to go this way, and one wants to go that way, and I don't go anywhere but down on the floor, and I don't move? It's just important when the body acts in obedience. So in the body of Christ, what a blessing when in the body of Christ all of us work together in His power, in obedience to Him. It's such a great blessing. And it's such a celebration and such a joy. And I just feel blessed to be a part of this, this part of the body of Christ. You guys have been such a blessing to me. But sometimes it's not easy to get along in the family. When you have a family, sometimes you disagree. And boy, can there be some scuffles in families. You guys have seen it. <laughs> so have I. Uh, had a friend of mine, he, he likes to say, I don't have to go to church, but I have to go to church. And, and I love the way he kind of says that. It's kind of like, you know, I don't have to go to church to, to be God's kid or to be saved, or to have the hope of going to heaven. But the truth of the matter is, I don't have to go to church, but I have to go to church because God places within my heart that longing to be with a family, to see the family of God, and, and to come together to worship, and to have hearts that are united, and, and to share in that common cause with other people that love Jesus. But by the same token, sometimes stuff happens in church, that happens in the family of God, that brings a lot of hurt. Sometimes people don't go to church because they've been to church. Uh, matter of fact, someone has said that sometimes church is a lot like Noah's Ark. If it wasn't for the storm on the outside, you couldn't stand the stench on the inside. And there's been some people that are really hurt in the body. But God, that's not God's heart. And as we look, we're continuing on this uh, study in dynamic ministry. And as we look at this young church at Thessalonica, Paul is focusing on the fact that the family needs to get along. Uh, this is from Psalm 133. First verse here, it says, How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. How wonderful that is. And, and Paul says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Sometimes it's not just you. So it's hard to live at peace. God says, That's, that needs to be our hearts, guys. To get along, and we're going to look at three very practical pieces of advice that Paul gives to this young church at Thessalonica about getting along in the family. We'll look at that this morning. First, we want to look at 
His first command here, which is to respect your leaders. Look at verses 12 and 13 in 1 Thessalonians 5. Now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. Typically, church leaders uh, sometimes have been seen uh, in two extremes. That's when there are problems when they're the extremes. There's extreme of the dominating church leader uh, that oversees with such a, a hard iron fist has to make all the decisions and the people have to follow in that dictator type of rule. And uh, we read a little bit about that in Revelation chapter 2, the letters. This is verse 6. It says, But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. There are several places in the Scripture here it speaks, especially in Revelation 2, of this group, the Nicolaitans. That word literally means to conquer the laity. The idea was, I am the one God's called. I'm the one that God set apart. And you guys need to follow me. You guys need to revere me. And you need to respect me. And and you need to love me because I'm God's chosen instrument. And so the idea was to to push back all other ideas and, and to take charge. But you know what? God does not like it when we toot our own horn. Someone has said, he who toots his own horn will run down his battery. That's not God's heart, guys. He wants us to lead by being servants. Yes, He does call leaders in the church. But a leader in the church is not to rule with an iron fist that pushes others down, but it's the kind of leadership that builds others up, that picks them up and encourages them to follow the Lord and to serve Him. Uh, Just read a couple of scriptures here that speak of the importance of leadership in the church. Uh, this is from 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17. The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. So yes, there is to be a special place for the leader of God. And then in Titus chapter 1, there's a couple of verses starting at verse 5. The reason I left you in Crete was that you might straighten out what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. An elder must be blameless, the husband of but one wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer is entrusted with God's work, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain, Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refuse those who oppose it. There needs to be mature, healthy leadership in the church that looks to God and that loves the people. That's Paul's call. That's that's what he's what he's sharing here, and and often there's an unhealthy view of church leaders that there's something they're not, because they're just people like you that God has called, but they hurt too. 
And we're not perfect either. We certainly have our faults. As a matter of fact, I want to read to you this section that came from a letter to Ann Landers about the perfect pastor. It says, what you're really looking for in a church, the perfect guy. After years of research, the profile of the perfect pastor has been developed. The perfect pastor preaches exactly 15 minutes. He condemns sin, but he never embarrasses anyone. He works from 8 a.m. until midnight and is also the church janitor. He makes 60 bucks a week, wears good clothes, drives a new car, and gives $50 a week to the poor. He's 28 years old and has been preaching for 25 years. Is wonderfully gentle and handsome. Loves to work with teenagers and spends countless hours with senior citizens. He makes 15 calls daily on families, prisons, and hospital patients, and he's always in the office when needed. P.S. If your pastor does not measure up to this profile of the perfect pastor, simply send this description to six other churches that are tired of their pastor and ask them to send it on to six other churches and so on and so on. Then bundle up your pastor and send him to the church on top of the list. Within one week, you should receive 46,656 pastors back. One of them should be perfect. Guys, we're not a group of perfect people. But we are a group that serves a perfect God. God wants us to be bound together in His love and and to serve Him. And He does have a place for guys He calls to be pastors and, and to be leaders. But that's not to be a dogmatic dictator type of leadership. It's to be just a love that's contagious so that we can march on together in obedience to God. That's His heart. What are some of those jobs of a pastor from Scriptures uh, to give spiritual guidance to the church? Uh, obviously to preach and teach. Um, to be people of prayer. You know, uh, when they called the first servant leaders in the church, the apostles said, we need to give time to prayer and the ministry of the Word. Those two tasks are to be central to the heart of, of the pastor. To be a man of prayer and to be a man who, who knows the Word. It communicates the Scriptures to preach and to teach and to build up the body of Christ, to prepare them so that together we can do the work of God and to serve. Let's look back in First Thessalonians here in our Scripture. Notice here uh, in verse 14, some of the jobs here given to the spiritual leader. It says, uh, We urge you, brothers... Warn those who are idle, encourage the timid, help the weak, be patient with everyone. To warn means to bring correction. And uh, guys, uh, who wants to do that? (laughs) Who wants to face someone that's in the wrong? We want people to like us, we don't want enemies. We don't want to step on anybody's toes because they might kick us. But God says if you love somebody, sometimes you just need to get along with them. And, and you need to say, you know, this is dangerous. You need to be honest and look at this. This is getting you into trouble. You need to be honest before God and you need to turn this around. It's not easy, but it's part of what God calls a spiritual leader to do. Here's what Martin Luther said about a preacher. He said, A preacher must be both soldier and shepherd. He must nourish, defend, and teach. He must have teeth in his mouth and be able to fight and to bite. 
tough job. Next uh, has to deal with the laity, to regard the laity, to build up the laity, to, to see that we're working together, guys, and we share this job. Notice in verse uh, 14, the three groups which I just read that are mentioned. He says, to warn those who are idle, encourage the timid, help the weak, and just be patient with everyone. First, there's the idle. That could also be defined as the defiant child. He says, uh, help the one in the body of Christ who is the idle, defiant child. It speaks of a soldier um, who defies rank, refuses to listen to the one who is above him, to do his own thing and, and to, and to stri- strike out and, and, uh, with his own cause instead of to follow the leadership. He says, uh, you need to love those people. Sometimes they're not easy to love. I got a friend of mine, you know what he calls that working in churches? He, he says, uh, he calls that a change in diapers. He says, I don't like that part of ministry, changing diapers. Some spiritual babies constantly need to be changed. Always something to complain about. I read about a little boy and he, uh, he got him a white football for Christmas and he kicked it over to the other side where the chicken coop was. The old rooster came out and he looked at that white football. He went over there where the chickens was and he said, Ladies, I'm not one to complain, but I just want to show you what they're doing over on the other side. Looked at that white football and said, Woo! Man, there's always that person. Instead of building up those that are around them, instead of saying, you know, let's march on together. Let's, let's, I know we had this setback, but guys, let's not stay back. Let's go forward together. This is just a bump in the road. We can overcome. We can move ahead. We can be obedient to God. Instead, it's a person. Oh, I don't mean to complain, but if we had a real preacher, I mean, if we had somebody that could really knew the Bible and would speak, or, or if we had a church leadership that really cared about people. You know, I, I don't know how many times I've heard, and I think it's so true, if you don't have anything positive to say, then just don't say anything. Talk to God, not to everybody else. That's, that's the idol, that's the defiant, that's, uh, that causes problems in the family. Guys, we, it's hard enough. We're trying to build each other up. But when we intentionally tear each other down, it's a problem. Secondly, next one that's mentioned here is the sensitive child. <laughs> Notice here in verse 15, it says, Encourage the timid. This word means to lose heart easily. This is one who gets discouraged really easily. And some people are just sensitive. They just get down, you know, like Eeyore. Oh, it's a terrible, bad day. You just get depressed. and You just, man, you just need a lot of hugs and tugs <laughs> to go forward. They need to be called. They, they need to be encouraged. They, they just need a little, uh, they just need to know they're loved a little bit more. I heard about this family. Uh, they had twins and they were total opposites. One was the eternal pessimist. One was the eternal optimist. And they were really worried about it, you know. They said, well, they need to balance out, you know. So they're just so extreme. And so they called this psychologist and they said, can you help us? And he said, yeah, I know I can help you guys. So they took them 
And the one that was a pessimist, he put him in a room that was full of all kinds of really neat toys. I mean, stuff that boys would love, you know. And the other one, he put in a room that had, man, big old containers of manure. And so, as the day progressed, uh, you know, he looked over there at the kid that was in there with all these cool toys, and he was just like, well, these toys, they're... They're cheap, and it's just not what I want. They just don't have what I want. He was just constantly complaining. Well, they looked at the little boy, man. He was in the containers of manure. And he was, wow, wow, you know, just playing, having a big time. Couldn't believe, said, what is going on, you know? I could understand the, uh, the pessimist kid over here. It's all upset. What about this kid over here? He's in the manure having fun. He said, why are you having such a good time? He said, I figure if there's this much manure, there has to be a pony somewhere. Some people just got to be built up. I mean, not everybody can see the hard times and see the good in it. Sometimes it's like, oh dear, things are just not going well. Well, part of the job is is to build each other up, to encourage one another uh, in those times where discouragement just sets in and and, and takes over and uh, takes its toll on us. And then third, there is the weak. Notice it says... uh, here, help the weak. The one who's just not stable. The new believer who waddles when he or she walks. Just needs to be grounded. Just needs those who have been in the faith a little bit longer to come beside them and, and to be a friend. And, and, and just, to, just to love them and, and just to encourage them with, with the Scriptures and to live before them the Scripture. To help the weak. And you know, it's okay to be weak. It's okay to have a bad day, man. I remember when I was in college, this girl, very gifted girl, but I'll be honest, I couldn't stand her. You know, I couldn't stand her because she's one of these Christians that said, life is always so wonderful. I have Jesus and He's my Savior. And every time he saw it was, Hosanna, hallelujah, praise the Lord. And it's like, lady, you are driving me nuts. I want to love Jesus, but I just don't feel like that all the time, you know? You need to get off this drug, you know? And I mean, you just kind of feel that. And sometimes, you, you, sometimes you're just weak. And sometimes you're battered. I heard one black preacher say, church ain't nothing but a band-aid. And sometimes you feel that way. You need to come get that band-aid. Because <laughs> you feel weak and, and you need to be lifted up and encouraged. And finally, as I come to the end of this section of Scripture... Refuse to lash out. Men, in the body of Christ, it can get ugly sometimes in any family. People say things that hurt you. <coughs> Slow down. When somebody steps on your foot, don't kick them. Just slow down and say, God, help me calm down. Help me get it together before I react too quickly in a way that will shame you, Master. Don't lash out too quickly. Verse 15, make sure nobody pays back wrong for wrong. Always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. You know, when you get hurt, that's what you want to do is lash out. I read about a mom, she had a five-year-old little boy and two-year-old little girl. She heard the little boy screaming. She went in the room, two-year-old little girl 
had the boy by the hair and <laughs> janking his hair. He was just screaming and she was just pulling. And the mom said, Calm down, because he was getting he was he was getting ready to hurt her. She said, Calm down. She's too young to understand. She doesn't understand what she's doing. So you just need to calm down. It'll be okay. She left the room, wasn't but just a minute or so. The little girl started screaming. She came back in the room. The little boy had some of the little girl's hair in his hand and says, Now she knows. <laughs> Isn't that the way we feel? I want him to know how bad that hurt. God says, don't, don't let that be what marks you. you know, one of the godliest things in the world to do is not to turn around and, and to give out what you got. I want to close with this uh, word here. God says, vengeance is mine. I'll repay. It talks about Romans 12, verse 19. Uh, this is, I don't know who wrote this, but here's some ideas. How to get along in the church from the Tate family. Listen to this. There's old man Dick Tate who wants to run everything. While Uncle Roe Tate tries to change everything. <laughs> Their sister, Aggie Tate, stirs up plenty of trouble with help from her husband, Ira Tate. Whenever new projects are suggested, hesitate. And his wife, Vegetate. Want to wait until next year. Then there's Aunt Emmy Tate, who wants our church to be like all the others. Devastate provides the voice of doom, while Potentate wants to be a big shot. But not all members of the family are bad. Brother Facili Tate is quite helpful in church matters, and a delightful, happy member of the family is Miss Facili Tate. Cousins Cogitate and Meditate always think things over and lend helpful, steady hands. And of course, there's the black sheep of the family, <laughs> Amputate, <laughs> who's completely cut himself off from the church. God's call to us, guys, is to get along. You know what? One of the best forms of evangelism to reach a lost world is to love one another. Remember what Jesus said? All men will know you're my disciples if you love one another. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning for speaking to our hearts, God. Lord, sometimes we don't live for you. Sometimes we get mad at each other, God. Help us, God. Help us to turn our sight back to you when that occurs, Lord. To remember that God, to strike out at our brother or sister means we have to go through the cross to get to our brother or sister because the cross is between all our relationships, God. May we not go through the cross to hurt a brother or sister, God. Get a hold of us, Lord. Uh, Father, as we are here this morning, You have spoken to us, God. Maybe there's one here who, for the first time, needs to bow the heart and say, I am a sinner. I need a Savior. I need forgiveness. If you were here in that state, I just ask that you right now just pray, God, forgive me. Forgive me a sinner and save me and give me life and forgiveness. Lord, you do that when we bow to you. You forgive. And I pray that as your Spirit moves throughout this place that hearts would obey. 
And I pray, Father, however you want us to obey, whether it's to come to this altar and to pray with some burden, whether it's to come forward uh, to pray here at the front as, as I'll be up here, uh, whether it's to share with this body of believers something that you have laid on the heart. Whatever it is, God, may we be an obedient body this morning and please you because, God, you are the audience and we love you. Have your way in this time we call responding to you. Invitation. In your name we pray. Amen.